I saw, I saw on Yahoo questions, right? I saw it once on Yahoo questions. A, a, a person, it may have been a young girl, it may have been a 45-year-old man, uh, had asked the question, why does steam come out of my vagina to the internet? And no one had answered. Like, no one on the whole internet had an answer for this person. And it's plagued me ever since, and so now I ask comedians to try and see if they know. You're probably using your vape incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the best answer I've ever had. Uh, Okay. Would you rather... And this is very important. This This is... I need a serious answer, please. Would you rather have a cock on your forehead or a face where your cock is? I'm going to go with a cock on my forehead. Okay. Because if you're in springs and, you know, things get hairy and there's headbutting involved, no one's going to challenge you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got an advantage, you know what I mean? Uh, things would definitely uh, be hairy. There's an though. Afrikaans saying, Twee koppen is beter as een. Yeah, but, uh, you know, like the face. The face could talk, you know. You'd never be lonely again. But it's a little, it reminds me of the movie Aliens. You know what I mean? It's like where you have the xenomorph with yeah. the big face and then the little one coming out of it. Yeah, so that's it, exactly it, what it is like. Yeah. But it would have its own personality. It wouldn't necessarily look like you unless you wanted it to. Like it could be a totally the, different the, face. The own personality is what bothers me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because I've got ideas and he's got ideas, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it would, it would, Put a certain twist on cunnilingus, wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, can you like Steve Hoffmeyer and still be a good person? No. <laughs> no, no then, did I hear a whoa? <laughs> no, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, look, I, I see, it's not even a long answer. It's just no. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's actually a bit of a trap because if you say yes, I just kick you off the stage. Yeah. That's how that works. Uh, Steve, it's good to see you. I can turn 2013 for me to say yes. But now I can't even sing where I'm going. Mensen denken, praat die waarheid. Maar eindelijk is ik een poes. You have someone who kind of, you know, would claim atheism, you know, and then go, ooh, my audience doesn't like that, and now releases a song where he's praying. Hmm. Right, right. No, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not, not going to argue I'm, with you. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to argue yeah. with you. I'm just Maybe not. if I had his face <laughs> on my crotch, I would agree to liking him a little bit, you know. Okay. No, but then you'd have to hang out with him. He'd just be saying racist shit. No, he'd go he'd to the be, toilet and he'd be just... He'd be hanging out with other people. <laughs> <sighs> Showers would be fun. So he got... <laughs> uh, let, let it be known to the people who can only hear this podcast that <laughs> Hannes rubbed his crotch aggressively. <laughs> um... No, but no, no, Steve is like a he's, a... he's a massive star still in South Africa. I mean, he's got a song now that's that's on the charts and everything. Does that make it difficult for you as an Afrikaans entertainer? I mean, do you ever find that you go to crowds expecting to say things like, yeah, I hate him, you can't be a good person if you... And then crowds just go against you, or do you, or you... Well, I suppose it does happen occasionally, but that's what happens when you're in Alice Ras. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, no, no, but I think comedy has always been, for me, a wonderful device to say what you think. And I suppose on his own platform, Steve is someone who says what he wants. I, I have a firm belief that he does it for the sake of, of the commercial value of um, whatever controversy he raises, uh, which in turn uh, turns into album sales or book sales or whatever. So, so I've always felt that he kind of cheats his public by saying what he thinks they want to hear, and he's clever enough to know what it is that they do. Um, so that's disconcerting to me. Um, but uh, if I'm in front of an audience, and, and the general comedy audience that we perform to, especially if I'm speaking English to that audience, is a, a pretty diverse audience. Right. Uh, and even at Afrikaans festivals where we, we do comedy, uh, you do have open-minded liberal people who are not necessarily... If you were really statistically going to take a look at it, um, you would find that there are an equal measure of people that are opposed to the ideas that Steve Wolfman sells as there are people who support it. So, sure, so, sure enough, within a room of 80 people, um, even if 40 people disagree with what I would have to say about Steve, and I don't consciously attack him in every single set that I do, um, the other 40 people kind of balance that out. So... Yeah, um, if I'm in the Moosebub and Grub in Rustenburg, I'd be a little weary, you know. <laughs> yeah, but look, look, I mean, you say that, but Dan Ruet would never suck your cock. I wouldn't want him to. <laughs> I'm just saying he does for Steve. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. No doubt about that at all. No, but you, you do perform in some quite weird places. Like, as an African, I'm, I know that you've done kind of hardware store openings and things that... that <laughs> That the more British... Thank you once again for <laughs> elevating my career to a higher level. See, these are the things he doesn't but, tell Hayes uh, uh, I think as comedians, we love performing in, in spaces where either we're uncomfortable or uh, where we're unsure of how it's going to work. Uh, but I'm not an overtly political comic. Um, so talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll means that people associate with something um, and then they, they go with it. Um, when you're at the opening of a hardware store, just, you know, lay off the lesbian material. That's the big thing, you know? Uh, I'm more scared of them than I am of... Sorry, I didn't mean to say them, um, ma'am. Um, Let's immediately... L- <laughs> it's a joke. It's a podcast. They're not going to see who I referenced. No. Oh, you're a dude. Sorry. So, where I was driving this for is, I know uh, right near the beginning of your career, and I'm going to... Uh, say, sort of a good six or seven years ago, you went on a trip to Bloemfontein uh, with, a guy, with a friend of ours by the name of Ngoba. Yeah, Ngoba. Tell, tell, I, want, I, want, I want you to tell people that story. Let's start really descending into the, into the bowels of your career. <laughs> it's an absurd story, but Bloemfontein, um, uh, Valiant Swart has this lyric, uh, Bloemfontein is a goud mine. Um, and Bloemfontein is one of those cities in this country that, like, you can either either have the best evening of your life in Bloemfontein or you could have the worst. There's no middle ground. It's, it's one or the other. Right. Um, and I had an evening where I, uh, I got quite drunk with Ngoba um, and we were doing a gig at the Windmill Casino which is this kind of cowboy... What is the thing with South Africans and <laughs> cowboy-themed restaurants? You know? Like the Spur is basically, if you were in Northern America, the most politically incorrect restaurant in the world. Yeah, you know but it's I mean? the only kind of racism we can get away with. Yeah, at this point <laughs> in time. Yeah. Well, no, the Spur is not getting away with any racism. Oh, yeah. Not anymore. Because people are giving each other boost in there. Um, 
um, so, so this evening started, we did a gig, but it, it had a kind of, a, and I, was, I, I promised people I would never tell anybody, but <laughs> it started with someone backing into a tree and a window falling in in the back of a Toyota Conquest that was borrowed. Um, so it was already a little bit weird. And then we did this gig where, where girls in, you know, coyote, ugly style are dancing on the bar while you're trying to do comedy. So no one listened to us. No. Uh, and then we got back to the guest house and Moba uh, and I had, you know, we'd bought a few beers for, for there. And, and then the one guy we met in the bar just happens to live in the same guest house. And then we go out and... You went out with the weird guy who lives in a guest house. No, not permanently. <laughs> uh, and, and the end of the evening was me in the Mystic Boor. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the bar, the Mystic Boor. Um, like, if you're ever there, please check if my dignity is, is still lying on the floor. Um, and we got, uh, yeah. well, basically, I got lost at some point, And then uh, Ngoba found me with a girl next to me with her hands down my pants. And all she could do when they went, that's my friend, was... Shrug and go. <laughs> Bear in mind, his sir. Shoulders, he thought you, know? you were a girl, so. Yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up with a weird guy that we met at the bar carrying me over my shoulder back home, and that was six o'clock in the morning. And, oh, good. That's and, not, but that sounds like a successful yeah, evening. I was we, expecting that one to be way worse. And we left Bloemfontein at seven that morning, and because of the window that fell out of the car <laughs> with a black paper bag strapped over it, that went. <laughs> The whole way back to Johannesburg. Yeah. That was the worst morning of my entire existence. <laughs> At least I didn't cock in the parking lot. Wait, you've done that as well. <laughs> I have. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, no. <laughs> Short answer. Uh, no. Do you mean the Holy Ghost? No, 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 no. I actually, I should have known you were going there when I saw your shirt and jacket. The way you, were dressed. <laughs> you look like you came here to sell someone the Bible. No, so um, no, 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 it's, it <laughs> Do I look like a Jehovah's Witness? Marginally. Vaguely. I think it's the corduroy pants. Yeah. The weird thing is, when I was four years old, I hated corduroy pants. And now I love them. Yeah. <laughs> See, people can change, Warren, and so can you. Well, buy me enough beers. Um... <laughs> What are the, you're, a, you're a massive comics nerd, so, so this is, this is going to be my favorite first aid question for you. What are the best and worst superpowers? Well, for one, the invisible man. Like being invisible, that's a horrible superpower. Okay. Because if you're invisible, you can sneak into conversations. And you can hear what people say about you. And what if you hear people saying bad things about you? And then you get really depressed and you go sit in a corner and starve yourself and you die. Basically no a self-inflicted suicide and no one knows. No. Yeah. I mean, but look, if you can sneak into conversations, you can also, I don't know, sneak into banks and steal money. It's not the worst. So what's the best superpower? Ah, that's tricky. Um, honestly, someone like Superman, he's got it good, you know. He, he can do pretty much anything. Except That's, score lowest so, lane. So yeah. being Kryptonian is a pretty good superpower. You know what I mean? Being from a, another... Okay, but then you've got the mental baggage of your planet dying. You're probably taking so this slightly more seriously than yeah. I was hoping. I think being rich is a really great superpower. Yeah. yeah. But I'd personally go for super speed. Yeah. I mean, my wife's already calling me the Flash. <laughs> Hello. 
Have you ever been arrested? Yes. Oh, okay. Tell me that story. <laughs> and I, it was for marijuana possession. It um, wasn't yours though, right? No, it was mine. <laughs> uh, well, it, uh, we went on a holiday just after we finished our studies and I had, I had four girls with me in the car. <laughs> Woohoo! Only time that ever happened. Um, just because we were going on holiday. And, and then we got pulled over on a standard roadblock um, um, and I had actually just finished smoking a joint, which if my mom is listening... To this. Your mom's not I listening only, to this podcast. I only did it that one time uh, in my car. And you did with inhale. another 9.2 yeah. grams in my bag. Um, and, and then long story short, is I got arrested. And then we went to the police station. And there was actually this weird moment. And because the, um, the, the, the arresting officer was uh, Officer Robert Kelly. So my fr- friends called him R. Kelly. Um, <laughs> And then they, t- they took my, my laces and everything from my shoes, and I was about to get arrested. But my friends were, like, posing for photographs with the cops. <laughs> and, and somehow I managed to get away with, like, paying, like, a 100 rand bail fee or something. And um, then a month later I had to go to court, and then my um, docket was missing. You know, and I was like, oh, Kelly's a good guy to know, you know. <laughs> um, and then a year and a half later, based on a motor vehicle break-in, um, I had, uh, the Sunnyside police phoned me and said, uh, we just want to come compare um, fingerprints for the sake of the, the motor break-in. Right. Um, and then when they showed up at my door, they were like, uh, dude, you're getting re-arrested because you missed your court date. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've got the papers that's says that my docket wasn't sure. there and, and, and the case got kind of postponed but it's a class B offence so I have to go to court for it and, and then these cops took me on this I was just so glad that I hid the weed um, and, then, and then these cops took me on this trip but they have to go pick up another guy in Pretoria Ves um, Danville vibes um, and what it is he was a security guard who over the weekend lost his gun. So he'd been hiding in a storm drain for two days. <laughs> so when we arrived at his house, but now during the course of this drive, I made friends with these cops and everything. Um, when we arrived at his house, you just had, like, the, the cops literally just stopped at the door and then <laughs> this woman just came out. Before they had even said, listen, we're here to uh, arrest Hendrik Lutig. They just went, we don't know where he is. We don't know where he is. And then that's when they got the, 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 the whole story. So then they went to pick him up in the storm drain. So I sat next to, <laughs> to this guy in a car that was pitch black, covered in root, you know, in suit. You know, um, just because he'd been living in a storm drain. Yeah. Maybe they just picked you up just to make sure they'd have some they hardcore up, drug They dealer. ended up dropping me at home and saying, you, you need to be at court the next day. So then I got re-arrested. So I've been arrested twice. And then what? Now you're just a hardened criminal on the loose? No, I paid an admission of guilt fine. Okay. okay. 300 bucks. Smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with it. No, you can't. No, please don't do that. <laughs> What's your most embarrassing moment? So many. <laughs> I think uh, it's a little bit uh, one night uh, at the Steak and Ale in, in St. Jude. See, most, most embarrassing stories um, go hand in hand with 
alcohol. You shouldn't tell your embarrassing stories that go hand in hand with alcohol. You should tell your embarrassing stories that go hand in hand with like massive successes. Like, oh, you know, I, uh, I, was, I was signed for this big movie and then they paid me vastly more than my female co-star. I've got a, I've got <laughs> and that was really maybe, embarrassing ma- for me. Maybe I've got a better story than the, okay. the night I met Kurt Darren. Um, when I, <laughs> I was introduced to Kurt and his brother Darren and the first words out of my mouth was, Kurt, Darren, you've got to be fucking joking. Um, uh, was perhaps on an on a, a international film I worked on uh, called Skin. And uh, I was working with the actor Sam Neill. From Jurassic Park. Yes, um, amongst others. Event Horizon as well. No, really I just followed Jurassic his whole Park. career. Um, and uh, uh, it was in 2007 during the Rugby World Cup. And one of the crew members told me that he's a huge rugby fan. So I'm trying to make conversation with Sam Neill. And um, I said to him, um, so uh, what exactly is Australia's path to the final? To which he replied, I'm a New Zealander, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's not really all that embarrassing, you know what I mean? Like, it was Sam fucking Neil, man. Like, it's not like you came on to him and then he was like, no, mate, and closed the doors. I mean, like it... Oh, that's another story. <laughs> A lot of your stories do kind of come down to drinking. You're right. Like, I mean, and, and, that, and with good reason, uh, because you're, you're good friends with Melt Sieberach. And, <laughs> and yes. Melt, uh, Melt, Melt, for those of you who don't know, can actually hold his alcohol. Like, he can, he can really, like, he can hold a beer. Uh, Hannes, not so much. But they're good friends, so you go drinking with your friends, right? Like, that's what you do. I mean, I remember we went to Rocking the Daisies. Yes. When was that? That was years ago, 2011 or something, 2012. And Melt... Hannes woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Melt had been partying the whole night. Melt drank Hannes under the table by 9 o'clock, so Hannes went back to sleep. I woke up at 9 o'clock. Melt drank me under the table by mid- my midday, at which Hannes woke up, and he drank Hannes under the table again, again twice in one no. day. And then he drove us to Cape Town. <laughs> so, go, yeah, there's a... To there's go a, watch the Antwerp. Yeah. Fledgling the Antwerp. Yeah, there you that, go. That morning, I did a set where, um, for some reason, I thought it was funny to try and just... Entangle myself in the microphone. I remember you walked around it. He he came on stage and he walked around the mic stand like this for three minutes while the whole crowd watched him. Then he realized what he'd done, turned around and walked back the other way to untangle I think I actually topped it with, that's physical comedy. (laughs) But the problem was, is I was uh, was under the impression I only need to do 10 minutes. So I kept waiting to see Dave Levinson, who was the host of that gig. And then I couldn't see Dave, so I was like, oh, that means I should go on. So I ended up doing like 45 minutes. I think Dave was probably crying <laughs> into his hands somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> no, but you do, you know that, that night that you, you met, uh, met Kurt Darren, that was, that was a big night. That was a, that was a massive, because that, that wasn't just, that was a piece of a night. Like, yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's tell that whole story. Um, uh, Malt? Is yeah. involved in the story as well. We, we were on Hatfield Square saying goodbye to his ex-girlfriend's brother who was going to the UK, which I think was Mount's way of saying, finally, I can let all of this go, which he didn't. Um, <laughs> but then subsequently, we went to the Steak and Ale, which is a barn centurion, uh, to go watch Valiant Swart, who I'm a big fan of. And on that particular night, when I arrived, I was in a, a sketch show called Zef Sketzer. And as I arrived, um, I noticed that... Uh, uh, Valiant had a Zef sticker on his on his guitar case, and he, and he saw me and he went, oh, "Yes, bro, 
Like just yesterday, I told someone about Zefskitzer, and I was like, um, that was me last night, <laughs> Valiant, uh, when I gave you the sticker. Um, um, so we proceeded to watch uh, the Valiant Swart show. Um, a friend introduced me to Kurt Darren. I did the whole Kurt Fokundaren thing. Um, I ended up in a, uh, yeah, on, on the pavement um, uh, asking a friend of mine's daughter who, who was 19 at least, come on, you will, you will, and that kind of thing. And then, and then at some point, and then at some point, um, Malt and uh, Werner, a friend who was there with us, um, discovered they'd lost me. So they were looking for me, and, and they couldn't find me anywhere. And they were getting really like, what's happened to him? Was he date raped? Because it could happen. I'm small. <laughs> um, and then eventually they approached the parking, you know, attendant, um, and, and, and they went, sorry, have you seen a guy who's about this small with really curly hair? And then the parking attendant said, ja, die man met die groot haar het om daar by die kar gaan bere. <laughs> Which meant that I had already been sleeping in the car for three hours by the time they went looking for me. I think I've that pretty much friends. summarizes basically everything I'm going to get out of you. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannes Brummer. Just five. Just five. Just five.